0: What a sad day it is at the moment for South Africa, just to see what's going on. The fact that people are already locked up in their homes simply because corona is just out of control. It has devastated families, it's devastated communities, it's devastated the country. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but the tunnel is very long and very dark at the moment. Then together with it is the unrest, the looting, the vandalism that's going on which has just really spiraled the country into quite a desperate place when it comes to morale, when it comes to outlook, when it comes to the get-up-and-go that people have. And it's just been a very, very sad time for me the last week interacting with people, dealing with people who are suffering from COVID and then really, really concerned about this. There's lots of discussion, the reasons, the why, the economic input, the economic data, how that affects why people do it. But the bottom line is that it's lawless and it's creating a sense of havoc in the country. And that doesn't bode well for our economy and it certainly doesn't bode well for us in the eyes of international investors. Well, there's no one better to call than Wayne McCurry whenever I ever find myself in a position where I just need someone to unpack the scenario for me. Wayne, as always, welcome to High affair Yes, thank you very much, Javi. Great. Wayne, am I being overly pessimistic over here? Terrible what's happening
1: in the country right now, but I suppose you've got to see things in perspective. And I think there's two perspectives. We've gone through this before and we're still here. You know, we got this at the dawn of democracy. We had a, you know, a civil war going on prior to democracy and we are all still here. So we will survive all of this. So that's the first perspective. You know, the, the second perspective to put on it is that It's not going to last forever. You know, it will all come to an end. I mean, obviously, there'll be recriminations and why weren't the police better? And I mean, that will all come at a later stage. But it will come to an end probably quicker than what everyone anticipates. And every country goes through this. I mean, literally, you know, there's been riots in virtually every country that I know of, looting of stores it's happened in America, it's happened in Europe, it's happened all over the place. So it's not, it's terrible, but it's not actually, to be honest, all of that unusual. And the markets will survive, you know, the companies, the listed companies, and obviously that's my environment that I work in, the listed companies will all survive what's happened to their stores and the looting and the destruction. Um you know, Sastria, we forget that Sastria, which was set up, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 50 years ago, 40 years ago, is specifically designed to cover uh, 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 riotous acts and, and vandalism like this. So there is insurance. It's not even on your company's insurance uh, policy. Any Anyone who owns a building in South Africa, it's compulsory via your mortgage bond to take out SAS insurance. So there is compensation that's going to happen. How long that takes to come out, I don't know. So, in other words, it's not the end of the world, although clearly it's a terrible thing. And, you know, your greatest sympathy goes out to the poor company, the poor family business, the poor sole proprietary business where... Their whole livelihood and everything has just come to an end. And also all the people who have jobs in these companies that have been affected by this. But it will all come to an end. Same as the virus, it will all eventually come to some sort of conclusion.
0: Now, when I'm sure you got a lot of calls and a lot of communication. I got calls last night and this morning. Almost people like are like, like goading me on to say, the rain's gone to hell, eh? Watch what's going to happen to the rain. Yeah. And next thing I get my normal, my daily update from R&B, and it says, I thought it was very well written. Surprisingly, the RAND, surprisingly well behaved. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that I sort of put it in perspective. That yes, the RAND should have been emotional, and the RAND should have um, sort of mirrored the yes. feeling in the country, but it didn't because fundamentals are fundamentals at the yeah. end of the day. I mean, let's
1: let's talk about the RAND, and we've spoken about the RAND every show that that, that, that we're on together. You know, fair value for the rand, and this is something I've been saying for a very long time. Now, fair value for the rand is about fifteen fifty. So, the rand since oh, when? Since the beginning? Yeah. Let's, let's just say the beginning of this year. The rand's actually been too expensive. It's actually been trading stronger than fair value for very good reasons, obviously. Essentially, the commodity cycle and the economic recovery that's happening in South Africa. Now, what I've found with markets is you never know what the trigger is going to be. But when something is overvalued or undervalued, a trigger sets off the correction to fair value. The trigger itself doesn't cause the asset to fall or rise. The undervaluation or overvaluation causes the asset to fall or rise. So in other words, the RAND was looking for an excuse for a bit of weakness because it was too strong. Now, whether I thought that would be the commodity cycle turning, that would have been my guess as to what would cause the RAND to weaken a little bit. Unfortunately, the trigger happens to be these riots. But the RAND was sitting there waiting to weaken because when it got down to that thirteen twenty odd level, um, I think it got, I think its it best was maybe thirteen thirty, whenever that was in the beginning of June, the RAND was ripe for a correction. Now, as I said, unfortunately, what's caused the correction are, is the riots, but that's not the reason why the RAND's weakening. The reason why the RAND's weakening is it was too expensive. It was well over, well above fair value and it's a trigger. It's the same as, you know, people said, you know, in 2008 when the market corrected, they say it was this event that caused it or that event that caused it. It wasn't actually, that was the trigger. The fact was the market was 40% above It's normal valuation levels, and the trigger happened to make it fall 40%, but that's not the reason, and I think you've got to differentiate between the two.
0: It's so true, and uh, Wayne, I remember sitting in Gallagher State at a Momentum conference listening to you speak, and you put up the covers of um, financial mail for the last two or three weeks prior to the great crash, and it was just like, you know, why aren't people investing? Why don't you pile more in? And then a week later was this big sort of vortex with everything going downhill. And you explained it very nicely and you spoke about a particular um, index. This is RV on Business. Wayne McCurry, who's live from I don't know where, I would guess somewhere in your home. Wayne, welcome back to High FM. Um, what I'll mention to you just before the break is that you were speaking um, at, a, at a conference once at uh, Gallagher State where I was just before the great um, recession that we had a couple of years ago. And the one index that you spoke about was the Baltic index, which I now know is the Baltic is Dry Index, which yes. really measures shipping. And you said to – you remember you stood up and you said, there is not a single ship going through the Suez Canal. And I then was at Max Steel a few days later, um, and one of the people there said to me, we've got ships sitting in Cape Town Harbour, that are costing, and he gave a figure of what they cost per day per ship in US dollars. He says, and they're not moving. I don't have a single export order. Look, thank God that change that moved. Yes. But I heard that from you. I learned about this index. I then heard it in practical terms from the biggest steel producer at that time in the country, and it was a reality. Within a few or four four or five months, that was a total different story things had changed, orders were in, ships were sailing. Where do we stay now? Because when you look at the index, it's gone through the roof. Things are expensive. People saying that the Chinese already are taking advantage of the desire for the economies to start working. How do you extend that whole macroeconomic phenomenon to us?
1: Yeah, look, what we are experiencing now is a normal upcycle. Now, whether it's an upcycle in the global economy or whether it's an upcycle in resource prices, oil, steel, iron, or the rest of it, we are just experiencing a very, very normal upcycle. Now, maybe "normal" is not the right word because the starting point was relatively low because of the virus. I mean, we 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 well aware that the world's economy last year contracted, not by much, by the way, but it did contract. The Chinese economy actually grew, but Europe, the UK, the USA did contract. But growth this year worldwide is more than compensating for the downturn that we had last year because of the lockdown and the virus. And in fact, it's the US had minus 2% last year growth rate. This year could be 6%. So it is, you know, it is streets ahead If you look at two-year numbers, there is streets ahead, even considering that last year it was in a recession. Now, when you get strong economic growth like that, a couple of things happen. First of all, for us, the RAND strengthens. No matter what's happening in the country, it's it's almost irrelevant what's happening in the country, unemployment, growth rates. I mean, we shrunk, as we all know, by 7% last year, and we're still about 1.3 million jobs less than what we had pre-virus, although that number was about 2.1 million. So there have been about 600 or 700,000 jobs created. The numbers are something like that. But irrespective of what happens in South Africa, if there's a global economic stroke commodity upcycle, the rain strengthens. strengthened. However, we've got to look... So in other words, everything is just go-go at the moment as far as the world economy is concerned. And even our local economy, I mean, I spoke to our economists yesterday because i 'm not an economist i 'm actually an accountant um, spoke to our economists yesterday, and they becoming quite optimistic that they've think that we could grow over four percent now over four percent sounds fantastic. it is however still two or three percent less than what we shrank last year, but still we 'll take a four percent growth rate oh, and sure. They, and they're even a little bit more optimistic about next year next year than initially they were they were thinking. Oh, somewhere around 1.5, 1.6%, and they've upped that to about 2.2 or 2.3%. Of course, when you talk to economists, there are always many caveats along the way as to why it might be too low or too high, etc. So even though we're not anticipate, we're not participating in the global economic expansion as strongly as what we should be, for many reasons that we all know, the world is expanding and South Africa is expanding with it. The question well, is how long yeah. does this last? Now so, we, we also we also all know that ever since two thousand eight we've had extremely low interest rates worldwide, especially long term bond rates. In fact in Europe some of the bond rates went negative, where if you bought a bond, you had to pay interest to the government. I mean it's an astonishing set of circumstances. But is our low interest rates sustainable forever? The question is no. So, obviously, the answer is no. So, obviously, they've got to go up at some stage, and this is what's worrying markets now because the next move in interest rates overseas and in South Africa is up. And if that happens, if the cost of money goes up, can this expansion just continue indefinitely? Because one thing I've learned about cycles, when you're right at the bottom of the cycle, things are going to fall forever, and when you're right at the top of the cycle, the sentiment is things are going to go up forever. But I think this is a normal cycle. And within the next two or three years, commodity prices in particular and the RAND will be quite a bit lower than where they are now.
0: Wayne, something you obviously hit a nerve uh, as, as usual because there's a lot of messages coming through and people basically want to know what is the driver of this growth? Because from where people are standing right now, they're not shopping. They're not buying. They're not spending. They're in a lager and they're just defending. Yeah. How How yeah. do you have growth in a in a scenario like that?
1: Yeah. Look, it's very difficult to explain. I mean, I can just go a little bit of an anecdotal story. Yeah. Uh, somehow, because of what I do, I'm supposed to know everything. So I often go out to dinner parties and social events pre lockdown, and people ask me. But Wayne, the inflation rate officially is three and a half percent, but that's not what, when I go shop at Pick and Pay or Checkers, that's not what I'm seeing. So it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to explain the, the big numbers, call it there, the, the macroeconomic numbers, because a lot of people don't experience that first hand. However, where that's coming from is two is from two places. First of all, interest rates are phenomenally low. I mean, they're the lowest interest rates we've seen in South Africa for a very long time. And, of course, people have got big borrowings, motor car, house especially. So your bond installments have gone down hugely over the last year and a half. That's free money in your pocket. And then surprisingly enough, and it's hard to believe, but it actually is the case, people who have got a job have actually experienced quite a strong boost in disposable income. I mean, I grilled our economists the other day about this said how can it be they said it's strange but actually people have got more disposable income and the rise in disposable income considering the 600 or 700 thousand jobs that have come back that were initially lost during the lockdown that have come back is that disposable income now as a quantum as a whole is actually quite a bit higher than where it was Pre lockdown, and it's actually higher than what it averaged in in uh, in 2019. It's about four percent higher than the average for 2019. So surprisingly enough, there is money out there, and you can look at company results, retail results. Everyone's reporting actually quite good numbers. So there clearly is disposable income because you're not driving your car, you're not paying for petrol, you're working from home, you're not the the guys who are the worst of are the fashion outlets and the shoes and the clothing outlets because you're living in your tax suit all day. You're not buying the fancy (laughs) pair of shoes and the new suit to look smart when you go visit clients or when you go to work. So there is actually quite a boost in disposable income. And if you think about it, you know, the average Johannesburg person, and that's the only person, you know, I can really reference to, you know, used to spend 40 minutes in their car at bare minimum every day and you had to fill up your car once a week, almost. You know, now you're filling up your car once a month, if that, you know, so there is quite a bit of disposable income around and that's where the, and that's essentially where the money's coming from. And I know inflation's high, I know food inflation's high, but rental inflation is negative. You know, and rental's a major part of your expenses or your bond rate, you know, your bond rate, your bond installments are lower than where they were a year ago.
0: That, that's so true and I've just seen it practically with, with a lot of the people that I, that I interact with is that All of a sudden, things that weren't able, they were not able to afford simply because they were spending that money on transport is now available. Um, And, you know, and the fact that there's just so much more time available because there's no time spent in the traffic also adds to it. What I saw interesting and funny enough on CNN business this morning was that there's a concern of inflation from the states and it's coming from a strange place. It's coming from retail or from clothing outlets and from food outlets. Simply because as the economy gets back up and running, people now, as you said, need to get out of the tracksuits and they don't want to wear what they were wearing two years ago, number one. And number two, all of a sudden that uh, corner store, that breakfast stop that, you know, people didn't go to because there was no reason to go there, is now busy again. And that's creating that whole sort of microeconomic consequence on its own. Are we seeing a a similar thing in some areas?
1: I think so. You know, man. Sometimes you need a good solid crisis to get things moving. Uh, and there might even be a silver lining in this terrible cloud of all the unrest in that now. In that, you know, this lawlessness without consequence, without, you know, any, any repercussions, the, the state capture, all of this. You know, we're actually getting somewhere with that now. I mean, who would have thought two or three years ago that an ex president Zuma would be in jail. For whatever reason, it's not it's not for corruption yet. But I mean, who would have thought this? Who would have thought that the Secretary General of the ANC would be suspended? No, you would have thought that SAA would be sold. There have been some movements, I mean, even though sometimes when you look at it, it's glacial movements, but there have been movements in the right direction. And and maybe you know, we as South Africans tend to be pessimistic, I think. We tend to look on the negative side. But I can remember touring the country, giving many, many presentations to people about junk status, and everyone was terrified about junk status. And you've been junk status now, it seems forever, and yet the ran stronger than what it was when we were investment grade, and our interest rates and our long bond our long bond rates are actually a bit better than Investment grade and our interest rates are significantly lower, and so is our inflation rate. So it just shows you, um, you know, we tend to be too pessimistic about set any particular set of circumstances, and maybe come back to my answer to your first question was, we've gone through a lot in South Africa, and we will still go through a lot into the future. But we still, yeah,
0: and we're thriving and we're surviving, Wayne. It's just been fascinating as always. First of all, thank you for always being so willing to come on and just share sure. and, you know, just be a sense of support and a, and a shoulder to lean on to the average South African out there who's bombarded with information that is often overwhelming. And thanks for always just being straight down the line and clear so we know what to expect and how to weather the storm. Just stay safe and look after yourself and all the best.
1: Thanks, Obi.